it begins when you become a part of it too. This week on the podcast, Michael Ends, The Never-Ending Story, Part 2. Hi, and welcome to Growing Up Bookish. It's a podcast where we go on a nostalgic trip through bookland. I'm one of your hosts, Emma. And I'm your other host, Allison. This week, we're continuing our previous episode of the epic fantasy and also my favorite book of all time, The Neverending Story. Chapter 19 is called The Traveling Companions. They travel on. Atreya becomes more and more concerned with the loss of Bastion's memories. Falcor advises that Bastion stop using the Orin, or else he'll never find his way back home. I love Falcor in this role because he's like this big floofy parent. That's, yeah, he he's is. using his full name. He's using Bastion Balthasar Bucks. I have what? some advice for you. What are you doing? Yeah, he kind of is like a like a parental role in this. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely less, much less happy go lucky. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because in the first half, he's like rolling around and winking a bunch. <laughs> With and luck. <laughs> yeah. But they also, like, there's a lot of instances in here where they talk about how, like, Falcor's flying is sluggish and low. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's because all this negativity is weighing him down. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about how it would affect a luck dragon. Yeah. So he can't be his normal joyous self because serious crap is going butthead. down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even the, he's not being a super butthead right now. No. But it's still like he's refusing to listen yeah. and just, you know. And and he Falcor is worried about Bash's well-being, so he can't be his normal happy, happy lucky self. self. Yeah. When Falcor makes this suggestion, Bastion finally admits that he no longer wants to return to his world, which upsets Atreyu a lot because he's like, uh, bro. This is the entire reason why we went on this quest, uh, so that you could come here and then go back to your world and tell people about Fantastica. Right. And keep our world alive. Right. You and can't stay here. Yeah. But Bash is like, no, it's fine. He's like, I'll just stay here forever and give Moonchild all her names for the rest of her oh, life. Oh, yeah, that's right. She doesn't need anybody else. Yeah, she's it's got just me. <laughs> I'm the only one she needs. I can give I'm her a million names. I'm the savior. Don't you know? Yeah. So he just brushes it off. God. But in the end, Bastion does agree to take their advice. So they yell at each other. They have like a spat. And immediately Bastion's like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be a jerk. And I'll take your advice. I won't make any more wishes. Mm -hmm. However, that turns out to be a less than good idea. Because as soon as Bastion decides not to make any more wishes, they start traveling in circles. Oh, yeah. Over and over. And this part is also in the movie, but for a totally different reason. Yeah. I can't remember. In the movie, it's because Zaide is trying to keep them from getting to the ivory tower or wherever they're going. She's leading them astray. She's leading them astray. And this one is wishes are leading them in a circle. Right. Because he's... Well, because, yeah, he's got no direction. He doesn't want to go, but... He doesn't want to go home, but he's not making a wish to do anything else. And so they're basically just going around and around and around. So Mm -hmm. once again... Forcing his hand. Yeah, he has to do it. He has to make wishes. He has to. Yika the mule is the first one to discover this. Because she's smart she's and so amazing. She's smart. Yeah. She's like, hey, bro, I know why we're not moving. It's because 
you no longer wish to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And you have to in order to do it. She also tells them that she's got exceptional sense of direction. And she knows that they're heading for the Ivory Tower. And that she feels like, or they were heading for the Ivory Tower before right. he stopped wishing. And she feels like maybe that's where he truly wish, wishes to go. Right. And so he's like, you're right. I do truly wish to go. And why does he want to go to the Because he got to see Moonchild again. He's She's so beautiful. Moonchild. Falcorn and Treyu are talking to each other about why, what kind of like why things are happening, why he was given the Orin and things are going the way they are. And they're t- he's talking about Moonchild. She draws no distinctions. And then I think it's Atreyu that says, then she is really a dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And then Falcor says, don't say it. Yeah. What is it? Well, I don't know. Ah! I don't know. And it bothers me because we should actually read the actual okay. passage so they understand. Was that in this chapter? I couldn't remember which yeah. chapter it was in. Falcor, Atreyu asked, do you suppose the childlike empress cares what becomes of Bastion? Maybe not, said Falcor. She draws no distinctions. Then, said Atreyu, she is really a... Don't say it, Falcor broke in. I know what you mean, but don't say it. What? I don't know what, what he means. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't actually know either. But I think that's why there's a lot of theories that she's a villain, but I don't think she is. I don't think she's a villain either. Because if she is imagination, which she is, she's like the core of where imagination comes from. It's a neutral party. Yeah. It's a, it's a very neutral Because thing. your imagination is good and it's bad. Yeah. It's helpful and it's hurtful. Yeah. The th- that, that's why I can't watch scary movies because my imagination... Can create terrible things. Oh my God, it's terrible. And even though I'm kind of getting ahead of myself again, <laughs> I feel like a lot of the message of this story is that you can't get go too far into your imagination that you lose yourself. Yeah. And so there has to be... You have to be you have the to middle have your ground. Feet, some feet on the ground. You have to have your feet on the ground sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. You know, you can't live in your fantasy world. No, you can't. You can do terrible things in a fantasy yes. world. But I don't know exactly what word they were going to say, but it really bothers me. Because I really want to know. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Michael N's dead and I can't ask him. I don't even know if he would like him, he would have probably an answer not answer or it. not even give you the answer. I don't know either. I wonder. I always wonder when authors put things like that in their books if there if there is a word or if they're just like, no, it's gonna be mysterious. There is no answer, <laughs> which is always upsetting to me. I'm like, there has to be an answer. <laughs> yeah, that's a. There's a lot of there's a lot of things in here that you're just kind of like, what? Uh, so he's certain that Moonchild will see him, right? On right on their way to because the ivory tower. Once he decides that that's what he wants to do, he. He tells them, he's like, well, Atreyu also was like, hey, sorry that I suggested you shouldn't make wishes. I kind of say that was a dumb idea now. Um, like, we need you to, to make wishes. Yeah. And Atreyu's like, or Bastion's like, yeah, it's cool. I know where we're going. We're going to go to the Ivory Tower because I want to see the childlike empress. And Falkor's like, you can't. He's like, no. Uh, excuse me? Excuse me. You can't. That's impossible. <laughs> he- I'm the savior. <laughs> <laughs> um, he says that no one can see the childlike embers more than one time. Mm. That's that's what Falcor says. But Bastion's like, I'm different. That's she right. she owes me. He literally see, says that. He does. And yeah. that is why I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> now you're really being uh excuse me. <laughs> she really owes being... me. I'm the savior. No. Hello. Stop. She can't turn right me away. There. <laughs> Stop right there, young man. <laughs> 
You need to go to your room. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So whatever. No one can change his mind. And he gets angry at Atreyu and Falcor at this time because he's like, you're always telling me what to do. (laughs) Oh, Oh, my God. He is being such a brat. He is a brat. Such a brat. Super brat. And they're just like, okay. They're just looking out for you. Yeah, that is all that they're doing. I'm sorry. It's disappointing when someone tells you no. But they are looking out for you. They're the only ones looking Literally out for you. Literally the only ones. Maybe Yika. Well, yeah. So, we're, I mean, she has good intentions, but she doesn't know what's happening. Right. She knows a lot, but not what's happening to Bastion. Yeah. She can't warn him to stop being a dickhead. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Maybe she, she said him off. Just kick him off your back. <laughs> Kick some sense into him. Atreyu and Falcor are the only ones that have caught on and the only ones that seem to care. Although at this point, Atreyu keeps being like, Bastion's my friend. And I'm like, why again? <laughs> like, I don't really know why you like him. As they travel on, headed towards the Ivory Tower, they realize that they're being followed. Mm-hmm. All of them are on guard, but soon they a group of creatures from all over Fantastica arrive. And it turns out that these are like the princes of every, like, you know, land, land, area, area city, continent, town, city, whatever. whatever. And they've all come to have Bastion give them their Stories. story. Mm-hmm. So his his legend of telling the story of the Silver <laughs> spread City is far spread far and wide. wide. And they're all like, we all need our own story. And I'd be, honestly, if I were Bastion, I'd be like, ugh, this is going to take forever. <laughs> well, doesn't he, doesn't he tell him like... Well, he tells him he's not going to do it yet. Yeah. He's like, I will help you, but... But first, I have to go to the Ivory Tower, and you're all going to come with me. Which they should have said no, because shit yeah. goes down. Yeah. They should have been like, no, nah, we'll wait here. <laughs> yeah. Tell you what. We'll come back later. We'll give you our address. Yeah. <laughs> you can come visit us. How about we We'll come lavish you yeah. when you get here, and you can give us a story. But nope, they all agree to carry on with him, and soon he's got like a caravan of like 300 people yes. with and, him. And even, okay, so at this point, I was thinking, ooh, that's a lot of people. That could easily be turned into an army. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Eventually, they stop for the night in a fir- forest full of huge orchids. And everyone feels uneasy. Mm-hmm. That's that's all they say, and then that's the end of that chapter. Yeah. Chapter twenty is called "The Seeing Hand," and this should be familiar to movie watchers. Yes, except it doesn't shoot lasers. Oh yeah, <laughs> those stupid lasers! Oh my god. Yeah, Did the, instead, la- the like, lasers came out of the tips of the fingers, right? I think so. <laughs> I think yeah. so. I don't know. Oh. There's no lasers, but it is a castle that looks like a hand. They were right to feel uneasy about the orchid forest because it turns out the orchids are carnivorous. They're kind of like Venus flytraps. Yes. When you get too close, they'll like hack you And I mean, you this off. is all coming from Bastion's imagination. Yeah. So why aren't they mad at him? Like, why aren't they like, dude, cut this. Can't you fix this? I don't like, know that everyone realizes that. I mean. No, and that was another thing that I thought about in this book. It's like he has the wish. So something is generated a character yeah but he, a landscape I don't but then know at, at that point does it just become a thing of its own and yeah. it starts and i also they feel like conversation falcor and atreyu are different compared to the other people that he has created maybe because they They've, existed before but but they did exist before but they brought they were brought back into existence yeah. because he wished for yeah. them but i feel like they have more of their own free will kind of they seem more active as characters rather than but i don't know if that's just because michael end wanted them to 
be I, more. I mean, I really don't know. I don't know. So that was one of the things I was thinking about. Like, There's a lot of things like that, but but he does about like things taking a life on their own. It, it does because at the very beginning when he uh, is talking to Grogerman about you know being there since the beginning of time, he says that he himself didn't think that he could have come up with something as amazing that's as the true. desert colors. That's true. But that you know, it just burns off of his wishes like yeah. somehow, and it becomes its own thing. I guess that's kind of how imagination works because a lot of times like it, when you dream, you have things that happen that you don't really control. True. And and, I, and it makes me think too like you you know, you can have this wonderful idea and visually it looks great. Yeah. And then when you try to bring it into being with your clumsy <laughs> hands, it's like this terrible thing. Um Yeah, I think all of us could probably like imagine like, really cool things. Yeah. And, and and even if those things could be pulled directly out of your imagination, yeah. it'd be totally different from what yeah. maybe it would look totally different from what you see it as in your brain. I don't know. What is it's imagination? A, yeah, I was like, what it's is a it? tricky thing. It I don't know. How can you explain your imagination? I, I can't. It's it's a it's a childlike empress. With, <laughs> exactly. It makes no <laughs> distinctions. It makes and... no distinctions. <laughs> it needs a new name. As they ride Bastion comes up with a new wish, another shitty one. I was about to say, is this a selfless one? No. Because after feeling like Falcor and Atreyu keep treating him like a helpless child, <laughs> he decides that instead he wants to be dangerous and feared. This was one of the dream- this this is one of the wishes that I really didn't like. I mean, I haven't really liked the other ones, but this to me, I'm like, okay, you're not being a friend at all. How? No. Why in the world? I would never want my friends to fear me. That just no. Nope. This just makes me sick. I mean, I guess he just... I don't know necessarily that he's like, I want Atreyu to fear me. He just wants Atreyu to realize that he's not helpless. Mm, but Okay. But he does say he wants to be feared. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be feared. Would I wouldn't you? either. No. 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 But Bash is an idiot. So that's what he wishes. Uh, and I guess as soon as he does this, shit comes into being because he is warned by his caravan that the direction they're heading is towards the seeing hand. So I guess up until the up until his wish, the seeing hand did not it yet exist. exist. So now it does. And the and castle has for all time. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> the castle is owned by a dangerous sorceress named Zaida or Zayid. I'm saying Zaida. I like that one. Bastion's not worried. He's like, whatever. It's I could do. I could, you know, protect everyone. Tell them not to be scared. Well, he literally calls them scared cats. Oh yeah, that's right. He's like, tell the scaredy guts not to worry, and I'll protect them. Um, Atreyu, who was uh, scouting ahead with Falcor, also comes back, and he's like, hey, we saw this really scary-looking hand thing. Um, it feels really bad. Maybe we should turn another direction. And Besh is like, no, we're going to go straight towards it. And Atreyu's like, why? And he says, quote, quote, because, because I, I feel, feel like, like it. it. Oh, my God. I was shaking. Oh, my <laughs> He's this being is, all like cold and this, snippy with Atreyu. This is where I start shaking my head like, yep. what is wrong with you? Lots Stop. of things. Stop this. Lots I mean, this is this is where him. the disappointment starts to bubble up for me. Ugh. Well, Atreyu's pretty disappointed too because he calls Bastion aside later and they like ride up on Falcor so they could be away from everyone and they have a talk. Once they were airborne, Atreyu said... It's been hard seeing you alone these days, but we have to talk things over, Bastion. Just as I thought, Bastion said with a smile. What's on your mind? Atreyu began hesitantly. Have we come to this place, and are we headed where we are because of some new wish of yours? I imagine so, Bastion said rather coldly. 
That's what Falcor and I have been thinking, said Atreyu. What kind of wish is it? Bastion made no answer. Don't get me wrong, said Atreyu. It's not that we're afraid of anything or anyone, but we're your friends and we worry about you. No need to, said Bastion still more coldly. Falcor twisted his head back and looked back at them. Atreyu, he said, has a sensible suggestion. I advise you listen to him, Bastion Balthazar Bucks. Some more of your good advice, said Bastion with a sardonic smile. No, Bastion, said Atreyu, no advice, a suggestion. You may not like it at first, but think it over before you turn it down. We want to help you, and we've been wondering how. The whole trouble is the way the childlike Empress's amulet affects you. Without Orin's power, you can't wish yourself ahead, but with Orin's power, you're losing yourself and forgetting where you want to go. Pretty soon, unless we do something about it, you won't have any idea where you're going. We've already been through that, said Bastion. So what? When I was wearing the gem, said Atreyu, it was entirely different. It guided me, and it didn't take anything away from me. Maybe because I'm not a human, and I have no memory of the human world to lose. In other words, it helped me and did me no harm. So here's what I suggest. Let me have Orin and trust me to guide you. What do you say? Bastion replied instantly. I say no. Ugh! Oh! Bastion! <laughs> of course Bastion takes this as being like, He just wants Orin for himself and he wants to take <laughs> it from me and no one could take it from me. Moonchild gave like, it to me! All you've been through with this guy. Like, what is your friendship based on? Nothing? Ugh! Yeah. And I think at this point is where they talk about, like, Falcor, like, like dipping. Like, yeah. he, like, gets dragged. And, like, he literally, like, has to stop. He's like, I can't go on. I literally can't go on. Mm -hmm. And so they are forced to return back to the caravan. Oh, is that why he says that? That was one of the questions I had. I think so. Like, is, it, is it, like, some strange force field? They never mentioned the, the force field. Because or is he, like, refusing to do Bastion's bidding? No, I think what it is. So when they get close to the castle, because they're scouting ahead, uh, Falcor, after this conversation that they have, he makes a U-turn and he goes back. Um, and Bastion's like, why are you turning around? I want to see the castle. And he's like, he, Falcor says, I literally can't go on. Um... If it were a force field or something, I feel like they would have mentioned it. Right. And I don't think there is because later on they can go on it. Yeah. Like, he, they fly up to it. I think it's because that Bastion's he's... Yeah, his negativity is bringing him down. Because they, previously to that, they talk about how he, he gets low and he mm. gets sluggish mm. and he seems to sink in the air. And so I think... Like, dude, you can't treat people this way yeah. they will leave you yeah if they don't leave you yeah they're I mean, they're greater people than you but yeah they God. definitely are greater people than him because they're still trying after all this time when they return to the caravan they find their party has been surrounded by giant bug-like armored knights yes and one of them delivers a message that the three heroes uh whose names I never remember. Yep, yep. They all start with H's. Hideorn, Henrik is the one that oh, yeah, left. Right. It's the other Hi three. Hybeald or Hybald or yeah. whatever. Hybeald, something like that. Something. They've been kidnapped, and they will be tortured unless Bastion submits to Zaide. Yeah, okay. Yep. But Bastion won't submit. He makes a plan to lead the guards away with the caravan to, like, Make them think they're running away while he, Atreyu, and Falcor sneak in. Mm -hmm. And they do. It's pretty long. Like, it's a long it description. Is. And it's interesting, but I can't go into all no. of it. Mm -hmm. there, there's some good, like, you know, adventure hijinks happening. He he gets in. He finds the prisoners. He manages to save them. He uses his sword. 
Oh yeah, it jumps. It jumps of its own will. Yeah. To, to, to destroy the, the knights, and that's when he discovers they're hollow inside. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he takes a brief moment to be like, "How? How, are, do, how do they work? work? Yeah. When they're hollow." After he rescues the prisoner, he decides he wants to meet Zaidi face to face. So they go up to her throne room, and she immediately surrenders to him. Red flag. Yeah. This is off. This is like the movie too. It is. It is. You know. Do you um, think she's like this big? Do you feel like she's a? Had you not seen the movie, would you have? Pinned her as like the seduct- seductress t- type of woman. Yes, because the way they describe her outfit, like they talk about her wearing like a purple silk gown and her eyes are red and green oh, and yeah. she's got like fiery red hair that's yep. all like done up and stuff. So yeah. And also, and he like, mentions like her eyelashes lowering. Yes. Yeah. I forgot Lots about of that. that. Yeah. I feel like the depiction of her physically in the movie is pretty close to what I would imagine she yeah. would look like. You know, she didn't have the Christmas eyes. But well, it's red and green. Yeah, it Come on. Yeah. Um, but there's little subtle things that she does also that clue us, the reader, in that she's full of crap. Yeah. And I feel like that was the same yeah. in the movie too. Yeah. So she Im- immediately submits. Yeah. Like my master. Yes. Whatever. How foolish of me to try to yeah. go Pro- against you and your greatness. Yeah. So Bastion buys it. And instead of just being like, all right, now leave us alone, he's like, you must come with us. No. And I'm like, why? Why? I don't know. Like, well, she does, she kind of like baits him. She's like, we, with my artifices. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because I guess she creates like magic items. your power. Yeah. I think her deal is that she creates magic items because they talk about like in her throne room, there's like weird contraptions all Mm -hmm. over the place. And so she's like, with my artifices and your power, we we would be unstoppable or whatever. But I, I feel like, does he care about, I mean, he hasn't really, it's not like. He's not going to fight anyone. Right. So I'm like, but why would he still care? But he still just loves the power, just, the allure of power. That's just, like, that's what Bastion's all about Does now. she throw something in like, the moon child, you know, moon child will have to see us with. No. I don't know. Anyway. Bastion's just dumb. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and doesn't think through his actions. So he's like, yeah, come with us. It's cool. Falcor refuses to carry Zaidi. I love this. Yeah. He refuses to carry her. But Basha forces her. I, I know. I don't love that part. I was like, yes, no. Yeah, what are you doing? She's he like, commands, how am I going to get back to your he, caravan? He commands his yeah. friend. Yeah. He's like, you said, must do it because I command I you. I do not want to do this. Oh, God. My stomach just sunk when he did that. Why, why did you do that? Because he's a jerk. I just, he doesn't care about his friends anymore. Ugh. So yeah, sad. he's like, I'm not taking that woman anywhere. And Vash is like, nah, bro, you were taking her because I command it. And so Falkor does it. He takes Zaidi back to the caravan. And I'm trying to think, too, in the human world, he did mention that there was one person that he told stories to, Krista. Krista. Yeah. But he lost that memory of yeah. her with the storytelling wish. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, was that the only friend that he had? Yeah. And so he doesn't have any? No. <sighs> Like, Poor Bastion. You don't know how to be a friend, man. They find out that uh, Zaida has sent has sent some regards to carry her in her own carriage. Right. And how could she know that she was going to end up yep. in Bastion's caravan? And so Atreyu's like, this is suspicious. The, the guards were waiting here as if she knew yeah. that this was going to happen. And so he says as much to... Uh, yeah, it wasn't to, to Bastion. It wasn't a surrender. This yeah. was part of her plan, and he won't yep. have any of it. Bastion's a total jerk. He yells at Atreyu and Falcor in front of everyone. <gasps> so bad. And tells them to leave if they don't like it. And the chapter ends with Zaidi smiling. Yeah. Which, of course, Bastion doesn't see this smile. No. 
No. It's so movie villain. It is. I think my notes, uh, let's see. My disappointment has reached a new low. <laughs> like, Bastion, you must stop this. Yeah. You, I'm like, what is wrong with He's you? He's not listening to reason. You know, I mean, yeah. it's clear if the caravan was, if her like guards were waiting for her. Come on, Bastion, don't be an idiot. Maybe what he should have wished is to be smart, which he does, but too late. Because <laughs> in the next chapter, chapter 21 is called The Star Cloister. I do like this chapter. <laughs> I'm always surprised by which ones you point out as the ones you like. <laughs> what? Uh, it's really cool. It's it got is. Birds in it and this like, one's cool, but mystical. I skimmed over a lot of it because it's really not that important. Well, no, it's not. But it's I not do important like, to the overarching story. No, but I do like the the animal. Yes, mystic. I don't know. It felt very like Egyptian mythology it is. and it is. Native American type of stories and stuff. So, so Atreyu and Falcor have not left, despite the fact that they should have. <laughs> but they're like in the back of the. I feel like aren't they in the back? Yeah, of Yeah, Bastion's not speaking to them. Yeah. They're, they're, he's giving them the silence. So mad at him. If I were his mother. <laughs> yeah. Write you a note, sir. <laughs> Bastion's just sitting there thinking about how, how he's expecting them to apologize to him. And he actually right. uses the words kneel to him. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, Which is all, like <laughs> that's not what friends do. <laughs> that's right. It's all power plays. Yes. It is all power plays. He is just so messed up. Bastion spends a lot of time in Zaida's carriage. Mm-hmm. Zaida convinces Bastion that he should spend more time thinking of himself rather than others. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but she frames it in a way that, I think at this point, this is where she's talking about it, that to be truly wise yes. is to be above love and above yes. good and evil, just totally above, cut off kind of type of thing. And in some ways, I'm like, yeah, I could see that. You think of... Yeah, she's saying that you kind of have you to don't be have different. To, yeah, you can't have any attachments. Yeah. And so this starts to like boil in him and he thinks about, you know, his next wish, which is basically to be wise. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but also he gets rid of Yika because... Oh God, Allison. I know. This was so sad to yeah. me. This was so sad to me. Zaida convinces Bastion that Yika is not distinguished enough to be his mount and that, you know, he needs to get rid of his attachment to her. Mm-hmm. And so he needs to let her go. And he does. <sighs> but he, he gives her a nice ending. See, I think that's what's so sad to me because he he gives her what she's talked about before. She wanted to tell her children about the great adventure that she went on, but she's had no children and she won't have any right. children because she's in this party with him. Yeah. So he creates this winged stallion waiting for her. Yeah. He's been in love with her for so long for her to go to. Mm-hmm. But it's it I guess what's sad to me about it is it's it's not her choice. Right. He's making that for her. And also she says that the whole reason she wants the children is so that she can tell them about the happy time she's having right now. Yeah. So why would you end the happy times? Right. She's having happy times. He's making that choice for her. And even though it's kind of, it's, I can't, I don't even know if it's good or not. I don't even know if it's good, if it's a good wish or not. But actually, you know, I mean, she even said in the beginning, like, I don't, you know, this would make me really sad. I don't want to leave. Yeah. But he's creating this wish for her or creating this story for her in order for her to go. God, I hated that part. Well, based on what's coming, she's probably pretty lucky she got out when she did. Hey, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I'll say that to help me sleep at night. <laughs> so 
now that he doesn't have the mule, he also has no ride, and so he's forced to ride in Zaida's carriage, and yep. so she can, you know, manipulate him a whole lot yep. more. So she gives him the invisibility belt, which once again is in the movie. Yes. He names it Gamal or Jamal. I guess it would be Gamal because it's G-H, and yeah. I think that's a G sound. G- Gamal. I'd rather it be Gamal because Jamal is too close to, like, a human name. Yeah. And that just... Gamal, he puts on Jamal. the invisibility. Yeah. yeah. Gamal, oh, the invisibility belt. And uh, this is where she kind of, like, convinces him once and for all that he needs to, you know, be indifferent and to be wise or whatever. She also tells him that Falcor and Atreyu have a plan to take Orin from him and that he shouldn't trust them. Right. And this is the part where I'm screaming at the book like it's a horror movie. Like, get out of the house. Yes. What are you doing? Get away from her. Stop talking to her. <laughs> well, he doesn't believe her. And he actually storms out. That's true. And but, she, but it's like the seed has already been planted. It has. And that's what she cares about. Just plant that little seed. And as he leaves, she says, don't worry. The belt cabal will do the job <laughs> for me. And I'm like, I guess she just knows everything. <laughs> yep. So when he's alone, he decides that he does want to be wise, but he wishes to be the wisest being in all of Antarctica. It can't just be. (laughs) Can it be a little bit wiser than what I am now? No, he's got to be the (laughs) wisest. And almost as if on cue, except it's not almost as if. It is on cue. Yeah. Um, He exits his tent and he's greeted by a group of owls who claim to be messengers of the three deep thinkers. And they were sent to find the great knower, who, of course, is Bastion. Of course it is. Because he's the wisest in all of Fantastica. Yeah. Uh, The three deep thinkers need a problem solved. Mm -hmm. So they have sent for him to come visit them. So he does. He insists on Zaida and Atreyu going with him. And what's confusing is that he's like, you'll find out why I asked you to come. But I don't think we ever find out why. No. And I think it's, I mean, all I could come up with is, like, those are the two. He... He always wants to impress Atreyu. It's always about being superior and impressing Tra- Atreyu. Yeah. Why is Aida? Maybe I guess, he wants to impress her too. I don't maybe. know. Maybe. It seems different though. She, I mean, she flatters the crap out yeah. of him. So I really don't. I mean, I guess, yeah, that's really it. He just wants to show off. To yeah. Him. So he goes it, and they have like, it's basically like they travel to the Star Cloister, which is a huge monastery. It's full of monks from all over Fantastica. So mm-hmm. it's, the description of, like, all these different creatures wearing the same, like, brown monk robe is kind of amusing to imagine. Yeah. There's a, a lot of description and a lot of stuff in here, but it's a lot. And I... No, it's, <laughs> I, I don't think it's... A, it's important because, as a reader, it's it's wonderful to yes. be in this world, but yes. it doesn't really It doesn't have really have a major effect. In the story. No. Other than just world building. Yeah. The only thing we really get is that, you know, the when he gets there, the three great thinkers basically just want to know what Fantastica is. And he's like, it's the never ending story. And well, first, well, first, let me just throw in there that the three thinkers, because I, I love this part because yeah. I'm like, oh, symbolism. Um, the three, I don't, Ushtu, Ushtu, Ushtu is the mother of intuition and she has an owl head. Yeah. And then you have Shurkri. It's like sure cry, sure cry, sure. father of vision, and he has an eagle head. Mm-hmm. And then there's, I don't know, Yisipu. Sure. Yisipu, I don't know, the son of reason, and he has a fox head. And to me, just that visual is, is stunning. It's absolutely stunning. Yeah. But yeah, they want to know what is Fantastica. Yep. And they spend days doing this because apparently they can only ask one question a day. Well, they have to think about it. I guess. Because there's this human child that's saying, well, Fantastica is a never-ending story. I'm like, well, what the hell does that mean for them? So I think like... He's very literal about his answers. 
I think he eventually gets it through to them by showing himself reading it in the attic like he shows them like a vision in the sky he, well he's saying we're in a book yeah and that book is in an attic and, and they're, they're like, like what's the book look like and he shows them a vision yeah he, he's using like a stone he, he got from the silver the city stone that lights yeah. up mm -hmm. the heavens and they then they see that their sky is like the rafters of the attic like yep. they're in the book in like, yeah god is that not devastating like yeah wouldn't it, that it would be, be like an existential crisis i feel like it would <laughs> But they don't seem upset about no, it. No, they don't. They're just like, okay. And then Bastion's just kind of like bored, I guess. He's yeah. like, uh, bye. I can't really help you out with this problem. Yeah. He's <laughs> really kind of in, he's indifferent about it. <laughs> that's true. Exactly. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's why he just leaves. I was like, why is he just leaving? He's just Yeah, because as soon as he's done it, he's like, Yeah, I don't really care. Do whatever you want with that information. <laughs> bye. See ya. Um and he with this with this new wish to be wise or whatever, he loses the memory of having gone to school, stealing the book, and reading it in the attic. Yeah. It's, it's all gone. Now. It's all gone. Chapter 22 is called The Battle for the Ivory Tower. There it is. There it is. We already know it's coming. As they near the Ivory Tower, Bastion has doubts about going to meet Moonchild. He wants to see her, but he also doesn't want to give Orin back. Because... <laughs> I feel he, like this is a child, like, that that is afraid to tell the truth about something like, yeah yeah I, I mean i want to come forward but i don't yeah I, I want to tell you what happened but i don't want to get in trouble yeah <laughs> he's he's like uh if i give her the orange bag then i don't have the power and then i have to go home and who wants that yeah. nobody so i don't know if that has anything to do with what happens next but um he sends a messenger to the empress to like uh, tell her of their coming arrival and one comes back it's this is the nimbly mm-hmm the nimbly little rabbit with feathers. He comes back to tell him that the Empress is not in the ivory tower and she has been gone for a long time and no one knows where she is. What do you mean? <laughs> she had to have known that I was coming. Yep, he's pretty unhappy about it. He's not he's happy and he remembers now that Atreyu and Falcor had told him he can only meet the Empress one, one time. time. So they were right. So you should listen to your friends. Yeah. Well, at this point, he's feeling kind of down and he needs comfort but he doesn't want to show his face to atreyu and falcor he doesn't want to be vulnerable he for yeah. yeah he's like they're gonna like say told you so or whatever so he decides now is the good time to put on his invisibility belt because he's like i'll just sit in their comforting presence <laughs> but they won't know i'm there and i'm like that's dumb I, I don't know how he thought that idea was really going to work i don't know either because he wants to be near them and have them comfort him but he doesn't want them to see him so whatever yeah he, he puts on his invisibility belt, and of course, this is when he comes in at the right, well, of course he does. quote unquote, right part. Yep, where they're basically saying the Bastion's kind of out of control, and they really need to get Orin from him, uh -huh. but they don't know how. And Atreyu's desperate, and he's like, "I'll take it by force if I have to." Yeah, and of course, Bastion's like, "Oh, I knew it. Zaida was right. <laughs> My friends are betraying me," and so. Basically, he immediately goes to Zaida's carriage. Yes. Ugh. Orders her hollow servants to take Falcor as a prisoner. My heart sank. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. So oh my God. the plan is once Atreyu leaves the camp to go steal the amulet, because he said he was going to do it that night. Right. They're, the, they're going to take Falcor prisoner. So I guess he's gonna give him an ultimatum give me back the Orin, and you can have falcor back and i'm like you're a horrible person what are you gonna do with falcor if he doesn't mm. it's terrible 
It is terrible. And it, well, he I think he also too sets up the the three heroes to guard the tent, right? He does. And to, yeah. And so they capture Atreyu. And and Bastion is I mean, there's a glimmer of hope in Bastion. He's hoping that he won't that Atreyu won't go through with the plan. But he does. But he does because he's it's for his own good. Yeah. So Atreyu's caught sneaking into Bastion's tent. The three heroes grab him. And uh, Bastion calls the entire caravan together and banishes Falcor and Atreyu immediately. And he basically is like, I should kill you, but I'm not going to because you have done some things for me in the past. Yes, I recognize that you brought me yeah. to Fantastica. Yeah. And-, and so I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to banish you. Don't ever let me see you again. I hate this part. I know. It's so terrible. It's so bad. And they oh, obey, sadly. They do. I mean, what? what well, what can what they I, do? What can they do? What can they do? And see, at this point, like, you know, would you blame them for giving up? No, I wouldn't either. No, like, because okay, Bastion okay, might okay, kill man. them. But, th- but then again, like, are they thinking about is this going to be a threat to Fantastica? Yeah, but is they, Bastion they kind do of have worse no control. They if have... we let him go crazy with this, I well, don't know. Well, they don't. They have a plan. They do. <laughs> Um, so Bastion returns to his tent. Zaida is there in his tent. And they the narrator tells us that she's like ready to continue her plan, but we don't really know what her plan is. Mm-mm. I don't think we ever really find out. I don't think so either. I think it's just to control him. Yeah. That's just her plan. Well, what stood out to me is like she she talks about her metal giants being hollow and that's how she can control them. So yeah, I kind of got this will. idea that she wants to make Bastion hollow so that way <sighs> She go. can control, you know, rule through him. He's the one that's got the Orin, so. Yeah, that's true. And once he has no memories or whatever, he will be. He will, he will be nothing, and she can just rule through him. Although, well, I was going to say he won't have any power, but it won't matter because she now convinces him that he is clearly the successor to the child. Yes, yes, that's right. He was upset about um, the childlike empress not being there. Yeah. And she's like, well, Why maybe it's upset? because... Yeah. You're supposed to be yeah. sitting on the throne. Yeah. She's giving it to you. Yep. He's like, oh, okay. Well, obviously, obviously <laughs> yes. she would give it to I'm me. I'm supposed to be the ruler. You've defended that. Bastion's eyes glowed with a cold fever. And then Zaida spoke to him of a new Fantastica, a world molded in every detail to Bastion's taste, where he could create and destroy it just as he pleased, where every creature, good or bad, beautiful or ugly, wise or foolish, would all be the product of his will alone, and he would reign supreme and inscrutable, playing an everlasting game with the destinies of his subjects. And he's, like, loving this idea. Yeah. So you want to play God? Is that what this is? Like, Pretty much. And uh, one of the things that I um, noted here is that he's ordering people around and being terrible. Uh-huh. And whenever somebody questions him, because his thing is he demands perfect obedience. And so whenever someone questions him, all he has to say is, my decisions are beyond your understanding because I am from a different world. Yeah. I'm like, you're a tyrant. Yeah, exactly. You're a tyrant. This probably has a lot to do with uh, Michael N's Nazi upbringing I, as I well. I think so too. Absolutely. And when, Well, it gets better. It gets more like that as we go on. So they arrive at the Ivory Tower and, bas- and like he basically informs everyone he's the new emperor and they have to obey him. Mm-hmm. Um, all the people that live in the ivory tower are kind of reluctant to do it. They're kind of like, oh, I don't know if I are uh, okay. I mean, but like, like Emma said, he's 
pretty much no this is how it's gonna be that and that do and, it and two he is wearing the oran so he is. and they've always you know it's always been this thing that whoever is wearing the oran is um acting on yeah. behalf of the childlike empress so yeah, yeah so they're do? like this doesn't do you follow feel right I mean, but they yeah but he has the oran yeah. so we have to say yes we yeah. have to comply yeah but they're but still not yeah. super into it so he wants to go up to the Magnolia Pavilion, which is where, at the top of the tower, where the childlike empress lives. That's where her place is. But he can't get to it. And in the pre, in the first part of the book, they make it known that nobody can get up there without being, like, transported there, essentially. Like, they, there's no stairs to it. There's no way to get there. The childlike empress just has to wish you up there. Okay. Like, will so you up totally there. it's totally in her control. It's in her control. Okay. And he is angry about it. And oh, he, he's so He, like, demands that people, like, build stairs to it. And he tries forever and ever to get up there. But it's impossible. He I can't f- do it. I feel like this is a big rejection for, for him. Yes. Like, he cannot handle that yes. she is not there. Yep. That it's like she doesn't want to see him. And that he can't, like, take her place in her magical yep. magnolia blossom. I mean, because he's <laughs> the one that saved Fantastica. She owes him. Yep. He tries to, uh, yeah, when he tries to carve stairs out of the ivory or whatever, they just go flat again. Yeah. Like, just shit is keeping him out of there. Yeah. And he's mad about it. So he leaves... Zaida in charge of planning his coronation, which is going to happen, I think they say, in 77 days. So he spends 77 days waiting for this to happen. And the coronation that Zaida plans is literally like a, a, like a Nazi even, thing. I don't even remember it. What was so it? So they talk about how they have posters of his face like oh my everywhere. God. Like total propaganda. It's freaking oh propaganda. Oh, my God. Yeah, and they talk about how she has, like, a bunch of banners that, uh, like, she puts up. But now that Bastion is there, like, all the colors have been drained. And, like, the sky is gray and there's no sun and there's no wind. Yeah. And so, like, it's all these, like, limp-hanging banners and then posters of his face, like, everywhere. And I'm just like, this is, like, Nazi propaganda. Yeah. Imagine him being, like, Hitler's face. Oh, my God, no. So while all of this is happening... Bastion spends his days, like, pretty much listless. Like, he's feeling empty. He's feeling not happy. Of course, he's not spending time being introspective, trying to figure out why that is. <laughs> no. He's just like, whatever, this is fine. And, you know, the town is feeling the effects, too. The, all of his minions turn to debauchery. They talk about... Yeah, that's right. The heroes are so bored. They're, like, yeah. molesting women. Yes, they talk about them molesting the townspeople and just drinking and yeah. fighting each other and just being crazy because they have nothing, nothing to, to do. do. And so finally, all this horrible stuff is happening. The day of the coronation arrives and Bastion's told that many of the Fantasticans have ref- literally refused to come. And most, a lot of them are planning an open rebellion. So another rejection. Yeah. <laughs> So he starts the coronation, and basically, it, this is ridiculous. He sits on a throne that they have made for him that's not in the Magnolia Pavilion. Oh, yeah, because they can't get there. They can't so get there, to... so it's in some other room. And he basically has all of the people line up and bow to his feet and tell him, like, yeah, I accept you as the everlasting emperor of Fantastica yes. forever, or some garbage like that. Yes, that's right. I and so that. he's just sitting on the throne waiting for all these people to do that. But as this is happening, a messenger arrives and announces that Atreyu has amassed a small army. There you go. And is storming the tower and means to take the Orin by force. 
I didn't make any notes about this. Wow. Really? So much I happens. I know. I'm like, oh, I didn't make any notes about it. I didn't. I, I guess I'm just, I mean, like, the 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 fight is important. The fight is important. The battle is important. But it I, is. I, I guess my brain just goes to like more of the psychological stuff. Oh, I know. <laughs> this is a lot of action. I yes. mean, there is psychological stuff in here, but yeah. it's it's a lot of stuff. So, you know, Zaida, who now has like a whole bunch of new hollow servants, she's just created them somehow. I don't know. She's she's a witch. Yeah. That's what she does. Uh, now they're riding horses, though. That's, oh, yeah, I guess, that's right, the metal horses. They're riding yep. metal horses now. But she's like, don't worry. I've got a bazillion of these. We'll be fine. fine. So the battle rages. Atreus' army does somehow manage to make it to the tower. Bastion seeks out Atreyu in the um, in in the battle, and they find each other. And he, here's here's oh. what happens. Oh, Atreyu! He shouted. Atreyu, show yourself. Stand up and fight. Where are you? But the sword Sakanda didn't budge from its sheath. Bastion ran from room to room of the palace, then out on the Great Wall, which at that point was as wide as a street. He was heading for the outer gate where the mirror throne stood, now shattered into a thousand pieces, when he saw Atreyu, sword in hand, coming towards him. They stood face to face, and still, Sakanda did not budge. Atreyu put the tip of his sword to Bastion's chest. Give me the amulet, he said, for your own sake. Traitor, cried Bastion. You are my creature. I created the whole lot of you, including you. So how can you rebel against me? Kneel down and beg forgiveness. You're mad, cried Atreyu. You didn't create anything. You owe everything to Moonchild. Give me Orin. Take it if you can. Atreyu hesitated. Bastion, he said. Why do you force me to defeat you in order to save you? Bastion tugged at the hilt of his sword. He tugged with all of his might and finally managed to draw Sakanda from its sheath. But it did not leap into his hand of his own accord. At the same moment, a sound was heard, a sound so terrible that even the warriors on the high street outside the gate stood as though frozen to the spot, looking up at the two adversaries. Bastion recognized that sound. It was the hideous cracking and grinding he had heard when Grogramon turned to stone. Sakanda's light went out, and then Bastion remembered how the lion had predicted what would happen if someone were to draw the sword of its own will. But by then, it was too late to turn back. Atreyu tried to defend himself with his own sword, but wielded by Bastion, Sakanda cut it in two and struck Atreyu in the chest. Blood spurted from a gaping wound, Atreyu staggered back and toppled from the wall. But at that moment, a white flame shot through the swirling smoke, caught Atreyu in his fall, and carried him away. The white flame was Falcor, the Luck Dragon. Bastion has done it. Killed <gasps> his best friend. Or mortally wounded yeah. him. Either way. Pulled the sword of yep. his own will. Mm-hmm. And used it to strike the only person mm -hmm. that is trying to save him. I'm so disappointed. But despite this, and despite even like remembering Grogamon's words in this moment, he still he's still crazed. He, he is. Atreyu's forces retreat at this, and. He leaves Bastion with most of Bastion's army is dead, and the Ivory Tower's in flames, falling apart. A bunch of the, like, you know, caravan that came with him are dead. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. They, all they wanted was a story. <laughs> well, there's their story. <laughs> Bastion is enraged and swears to pursue Atreyu and rides off on one of Zaida's metal horses. Yeah, because he blames Atreyu for this. He's yeah. saying this is Atreyu's doing. Yep. Hell, no. Uh, take... Take some responsibility. <laughs> Be chapter. a big boy here. Come on. This is the sad and scary chapter. Chapter 23 is called The City of Old Emperors. You thought it was scary. 
I mean, I, I mean, it scary and it is a very yeah, scary thought. it's scary in a in a different way. Not scary as in like ghost scary, but th- this kind it's of thing so is sad. what scares me the most, honestly. So Bastion's riding his metal horse in a cloud of vengeance. Does he have anybody behind him? No, because no, he leaves them behind because they're tired yeah. from the battle and like they're trying to follow him, but they're lagging behind because he's like in a rage <laughs> and he's like forcing this metal horse to like go beyond its means. And his army can't keep up, but they're still kind of going after him for some reason. They still follow him. I don't freaking know why. Um, He rides until the horse explodes because he basically works it beyond its means. Yeah. Not long after, Bastion arrives in a strange city made of nonsensical buildings and people wearing nonsensical things. And doing nonsensical nonsensical things. things. Bastion tries to ask someone where he is, but the people don't seem to understand or be able to answer. They are really, like, disoriented, don't seem to know what they're doing. Yeah. Then a monkey with a graduation cap (laughs) appears. His name is Argax, which I hate because it's too much like Artax. Yeah, that's true. Come up with a better name. That's true. I didn't even think about that while I was reading it. So Argax... Uh, tells him he's in the city of the old emperors and that he is the superintendent there. He says that all of the people that live here are people that used to be emperors of Fantastica or attempted to be the emperor of Fantastica. So they're from the human world, right? Yes. Okay. He's like, hey, Bastion, come on in and let me give you a tour of your future residence. <laughs> and Bastion's like, what? what? What are you talking about? I'm not going to live here. He's, of course, confused. And so he grills the monkey with questions. Essentially, all the we learn that all the people that are here were once human and that they used their last wish on something other than returning home. Okay. And now they can never return home. And some of them did also, too, try to... to become the emperor. emperor yeah, of so... Fantastica. This is when Bastion first... This is the first time he's ever learned of his wishes being limited. Because he's like, last wish? I thought that I had as many as I wanted. And the right. monkey's like, uh, no. No, you got like three or four left. Man. Yeah. <laughs> he tells him he's got like three or four left. How did they get here? What are they doing here? Oh, there have always been humans who couldn't find their way back to their world, Argax explained. First, they didn't want to. And now, in a manner of speaking, they can't. Bastion looked at a little girl who was struggling to push a doll's carriage with square wheels. Why can't they? He asked. They'd have to wish it. And they've stopped wishing. They used up their last wish for something else. Their last wish? Said Bastion, going deathly pale. Can a person go on wishing as long as he pleases? Argax giggled again. Then he tried to take off Bastion's turban and pick lice out of his hair. Stop that! Bastion cried. He tried to shake the little monkey off, but Argax held on tight and squealed with pleasure. No, no, he chattered. You can only wish as long as you remember your world. These people here used up all their memories. Without a past, you can't have a future. That's why they don't get older. Just look at them. Would you believe that some of them have been here a thousand years and more? But they stay just as they are. Nothing can change for them because they themselves can't change anymore. Oh. (laughs) So he also explains that kind of like if I don't know how he knows or what the concept of this is, but any person that manages to successfully become or crown himself emperor loses all their wishes in one go. Well, one of the things he says is that you can't use... How can you use use Moonchild's power to take her power away from her? Yes. Sorry, I did write that in my notes. That's what it is. Um, Yeah, so they get it it taken because that... I mean, It's impossible. You can't do that. How can you? How can you? But people have tried. Yeah. 
And so Bastion starts to realize that by stopping his coronation, Atreyu saved, saved him, him from getting stuck in the saved city forever. Saved him. But he also explains that if Atreyu had succeeded from taking the Orn from him, the same thing would have happened. So would it have? Yeah. How? Because he needs the Orn in order to get home. Yes, but Atreyu would have helped him get home. He would have. I feel like I the I, I, I feel I, like the connotation is that. We find out later. This is getting ahead. I know. Sorry. <laughs> At this point, that's what we're thinking. Like, if, if Atreyu had taken it from him, he would have also been stuck because he needs it to get home. Um, and so, essentially, through this conversation, Bastion learns that he has to find a wish that will take him back to his world, but he only has a few wishes left. Argax is like, you're never going to do it because you got to go to the CMS and you got to talk to this guy named Yor. And like Bastion doesn't know who any of these people are, so he's barely listening. But he's like, oh, God, all these things have to happen. And he doesn't have that many wishes left. No, but he knows he doesn't want to be one of these people. Yeah. So once again, just like coming to Fantastica, now he is in kind of in a point of no return where he has to. He he has no choice again. And to me, this this is that fine line that's kind of scary like you you have to lose your memories to use these wishes mm-hmm. but you've got to have one left mm-hmm. so how in the hell i mean it'd be nice if Orin had like this tracker <laughs> so you like like a ticker down type yeah. of thing like okay you've got three left yep. so but nope. it doesn't and so and like i said i feel like some wishes are more i feel so i feel like some wishes take more away than others do which once they talk about how like becoming king makes you lose everything, I feel like some of them probably do take away maybe. more than others. Like maybe some of his more selfish wishes take away more than like tiny little ones or yeah. whatever. They never say that. Well, I mean, just... if you're talking about a memory that's part of your foundation and part of your core. Yeah, you're losing a whole lot more <laughs> than than just like, oh yeah, metal. I remember this Krista kid. Yeah. <laughs> He lost Krista, but who cares? He also lost... I mean, she was important, too. But, I mean, I mean, his but only friend. As far yeah. as, like, losing losing humility or losing the memory of your parent versus losing the memory of going to school. Yeah. I mean, you put those on a scale. I think I think the parents are going to weigh more. Well, that's why he hasn't lost that yet. Yeah. He hasn't lost it yet. He still has his parents. He still has his name. name. I don't remember what else he has. I guess that's it. I think that's it at this point. Oh, crap. That's only two. Or does his mother and father count as I think it's two, two different things. Okay, so then he's got like three. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. So Bastion leaves this terrifying city of lost emperors and wanders for days until he longs for company, but not just company this time. He wants people that will, uh, you know, accept, accept him, him for who he is, kind of. Like, just, just not even. He doesn't want to be. He doesn't actually, want I don't fame. No, yeah. he doesn't want any anybody to admire him. He just kind of wants to slip into yep. this community and just be a part, part of, of a something. community. Yeah. And so it counts as a wish, and it leads him to Basketville. Oh my god! Allison. It has another name, but I just call it Basketville. Allison, do you hate this place? I love this oh. place. <laughs> I love this place. When I was reading this, tell us I was about on, Basketville. I can't even. <laughs> I get too emotional. I, it just, it just hit me while I was reading this. I mean, you get a sense of it before with how he describes things. But this man is just 
this author is so thoughtful mm-hmm. about his places. Yeah. It's another city where you're shown everything. Everything. You know how they live. You yes. know how they think. They're, you know, he's showing you that, okay, they're, they don't walk alone down the street. They're yep. walking with each other hand in hand. All of their work consists of something in which you have to be working with someone yep. else. Mm-hmm. Um, everything's made out of wicker yep. because the sea of mist, it's, it's a sea of mist. Yeah, it's not water. It's- and they can't go out. Their boats are hanging from fishing poles, <laughs> and they can't go out until the mist is, you know, up on the level of the boats. And yep. just reading... I'm serious. Like I was on the verge of tears just reading this because of how detailed yeah. it is, how thoughtful he is. A thoughtful writer, he is, and that to me is so important. He also talks about how you know they think of themselves as a collective unit. No one has names because right. they don't feel like they need them, and they don't say I. They just say always say we, we. Mm-hmm. and because they're just one unit. Yeah, they're just then everyone's happy and peaceful, which sounds great. It sounds great, but in it the gets, beginning, it gets weird. Yeah. Um. So at first, he's like, "This place is awesome." Um, he remembers the monkey telling him that he needed to cross the Sea of Mist, and here he is. Mm-hmm. And so he asks a couple of fishermen or whatever, can I ride with you? Because only they can cross the sea, because I guess it if a normal person goes out there, it like messes with their sense of direction and will get lost. Forever. Oh, yeah, because it's so thick. You can't. It yeah. has to be. But somehow they're able to do a it. A seaward they, type of person. <laughs> they explain how they're allowed to. I think it's because their boats are made of the stuff. The, the sea kelp or whatever of the sea and somehow that allows them to get across it doesn't matter it's lighter than the mist that's what yeah. it weighs less than the mist so they're allowed to go yeah. and he's like i'll ride with you across the way and he does and the boat has no motor no oars no utter no nothing it basically runs on you know their force of will yeah and so they all like stand in the middle of the boat and they work hum together Kind of like cult-like. <laughs> hum together, and it, that makes the boat go. <laughs> and it takes a lot of mental thought for them to do this, so they have to they have to take breaks. To, yeah. And Bastion, because uh, it's a long journey. They don't say mm-hmm. how many days, but they say it's, like, pretty long. Bastion joins in with them, and he becomes one of them, and he starts singing along with them. Um, then he gets bored. He eventually gets tired of the people who are all the same. Yeah. And they get along so well because... He needs some drama. He realized the fault of these people when one of them is taken away by, like, a flying creature. Yeah. Like, one of them is just taken away, and the people just continue on as if nothing happened, and he's like, why aren't you you grieving grieving? the loss of your friend? And they're like, what are you talking about? We didn't lose anyone. We're all right here. Yeah. Because no one person means anything. Right. They're not seen as individuals. Yeah. And And they get along so well... But there's no there's no strife involved. There's no love. If it's just harmony, yes. but there's no love. Yes. And he realizes, no, this is not what I want. That's when he finally is like, no, I need I need to be loved, mm-hmm. and I need to be loved for exactly who I am. The good and, and the bad. The good and the bad. I don't need to be perfect anymore. Finally, Bastion. Jesus Christ. Uh, it only took him like the fear of being stuck in the city of old emperors for him to finally yeah. come to yeah. this realization. And so that's his next wish. When the boat reaches the other side of the sea, he leaves the people of Baskerville and he sees a rose garden and he heads towards it. Mm-hmm. I like this next chapter. I was just going to ask you. I love this next chapter. I was like, this chapter seems like an Emma chapter. Oh, it totally is. It totally is. <laughs> this is chapter 24 is called Dame Eola. I remember really liking this chapter when I was young, but I didn't like it as much now i don't dislike really? it i don't dislike it but I, I remember it being one of my favorite chapters and now i was kind of like why 
I don't really know why. The the house is I mean, cool. The, yeah. Well, whatever. We'll get into it. The chapter actually starts with a bit of info on what happened to Zaida in the army. Oh yeah, which I kind of thought. Yeah, and I kind of kind of thought that was a weird place to put it in there. But I'll I tell mean, you why they put it in there because the chapter okay. had to start with an X. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> because every chapter in this book starts with the letter of the alphabet, mm-hmm. and they're actually. Didn't write this down, but when he's in the uh, city of old embers, um, the monkey tells him how every uh, story is just different combinations of, of twenty-six letters. letters. Yeah, that's right. And uh, and then I was kind of like, oh, I bet that's why he made the letters of each chapter be the twenty-six letters yeah. of the alphabet. But so it does start with telling you what happens. Basically, um, they are unable. The army looks for Bastion, but is unable to find them. Um, the army's fine because they're like, "Oh, we have our stories. Let's go about our life." And Zaida, they kind of like talk about how she's disappointed because her plan for Bastion will never be realized. Mm-hmm. Kind of, but we never really find out what the plan is. But yeah. you know, like we said, we think it's just control. Control, yeah. But that's it. Just a little briefness about them. Meanwhile. Bastion has followed a sign pointing the way to the House of Change. It's a house that looks like a pumpkin, and it seems to change shape as Bastion approaches. He enters the house and finds a motherly-looking woman wearing a hat and clothes made of fruit and leaves. Yes. (laughs) I just love it all. I just love it all. Because if we're talking about him wanting to be loved for who he is, Mm -hmm. no matter what, I'm sorry. Sorry, dads out there. That's a mother's love. You need a motherly figure. And he never had one. No, he didn't. Yeah. So this is kind of like his his need this for motherly mama. love. And this is probably where he loses his memory of his mom, I think. Yeah. I'm pretty sure so they too. say that. So now he's only got his dad and him, his, name his name left. Mm-hmm. So she introduces herself as Damiola. So she tell, she starts by telling him a story, which is pretty much his story. And then at the end, it ends a little bit differently. He had almost ceased to be a human and had almost become a Fantastican. He still didn't know what he really and truly wanted. It seemed possible that his very last memories would be used up before he found out. And if that happened, he would never be able to return to his own world. Then at last he came to the House of Change, and there he would stay until he found out what he really and truly wanted. You see, it's called the House of Change not only because it changes itself, but also because it changes anyone who lives in it. And that was very important to the little boy, because up until then, he had always wanted to be someone other than he was, but he didn't want to change. That's some deep stuff. Because you can't just wish to be strong. You can't just wish no, to be... To put, you have to put the effort, effort into, into it. it. You have to, so yeah. many life lessons. It's... <laughs> It's so good. <laughs> What's funny about this is like this is obviously a story that's teaching mm, inner things. And when we talked in the first episode about this last week, we talked about how Ende received criticism for not writing things that were teaching children things and just writing fantasy. And this was which, his answer to that. Which um, when I was looking up some of his influences, one of the people well he went to a waldorf school mm-hmm. and the guy that founded that also founded some sort of philosophy philosophy and in it you know it's talking about karmic stuff mm-hmm. and I'll, and while i'm reading this this is kind of off topic sorry it's while fun. i'm reading this like these are things that my parents told me when i was growing up my parents were hippies so it was very much like yes when you die you go to this plane of existence in which you look at your life and and um, 
when you choose your next life, you're going to choose your parents and certain situations in order to. So yada, yada, yada. All this stuff kind of feeds into what um, Michael Linde writes. But one of his uh, criticisms of Steiner, the guy that kind of founded this thing, was that it was too much thinking based. Yeah. And it didn't lend enough to art. Yeah. And what art and beauty can do to it. Um, and I feel like that's, that's, that's his work. That's his work. I really would have liked to have known this guy. It would have been so cool. He seems so interesting. Yeah. Like he's the most interesting person. I wish he were alive. I'm so sorry. Maybe he, well, you know, I kind of feel like he'd probably be a really grumpy person. Yes, probably. (laughs) And, you know, I guess, like, all we've ever heard is him, him, like, grumbling about the movie or whatever. And so we get that kind of impression that he's grumpy, but whatever. So, basically, his time with Damiola is basically, like, he's being babied and spoiled by her. And she's being this motherly figure. And she expresses her desire to have a child and is so glad that Bastion's there. Bastion feels satisfied, like he was giving something he longed for, which is that's his need for the motherly affection. Yes, and I feel like this is kind of symbolic of the womb Mm -hmm. and, you know, he's provided for. There's nourishment. He doesn't have to work for that nourishment. All he has to do... And the nourishment comes from Damiola. Yeah. Yeah. All he has to do is sit there and and wait for that change to happen for himself. So he's kind of being reborn? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um... One day they're talking. Bastion tells Damiola about everything that's happened to him and how much he regrets some of the things he's done. Damiola assures him that he's on the correct path, but he must find the fountain with the water of life and that his last wish will take him there. Mm-hmm. And and that he will know when the time comes. So time passes. Bastion becomes less and less satisfied with being there, which is what always happens when his wish is about to happen. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you have to, you have to leave your mother. Eventually. You have to. So he's now been loved for just who he is, but he realizes he hasn't been loving himself. Yeah, he wants to love. He wants to love. And so he tells Damiola, she tells him that drinking the water of life will allow him to love, but he must leave the house of change the next day. So the next day he wakes and finds that Damiola has withered. (laughs) Oh, I know. I was so sad when I was a kid when this happened. I was like, why? (laughs) But, you know, she talked about how, like, her grandmother and her great-grandmother did the same. Well, and I feel like, too, this is is a theme that you find throughout the book. Gragamon's the same way. It's like... Life and death. Yeah. The yin and yang. The Ouroboros. (laughs) So he thanks her and he leaves. And outside, the internal garden has now become winter. And I think it mentions, too, that this is where he forgets. His dad. His father and his mother. Yes. He's, okay. And so all he has left now is his name. Yep. The signifier of himself. Mm -hmm. And he's got to get rid of that, too. So chapter 25 is called The Picture Mine. Bastion happens upon a hut in the snow, which is inhabited by Yor, a blind miner of what he calls a picture mine. And as with everything else recently, he's been expecting Bastion. Yeah. <laughs> when Bastion asks him what a picture mine is, he shows him. He takes him into a mine where, which houses hundreds of pictures that appear to be encased in, like, thin ice. Mm-hmm. And they depict all manner of scenes. Bastion's confused as to what they are. And he explains that they're basically, like, people's dreams. They're subconscious ones that they've forgotten about. That they've forgotten and they have to go somewhere. Yeah. It's so cool. And they describe a bunch of them and they're all just like weird weird. abstract things that people dream of and they have to go somewhere. So they go here. And didn't he mention that the foundation of Fantastica is built on these? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, there's a big description of it, but I don't have time to read it. No, it's fine. 
Sebastian, he tells him that he that there's probably that there's one here that's supposed to mean something to Bastion. Mm-hmm. And he looks for it and he doesn't find it. So yours like, well, you're gonna have to go dig it up for yourself then. <laughs> so you have to go in the dark. Into the mine. Which he was supposed to have that stone, but he right. used it for so, a selfish purpose. Right. And so I'm like, this is, you know, very symbolic. You mm-hmm. have to go deep inside uh-huh. and it has to be dark. Yes. You have no light mm-hmm. to find to find your way. Yep. I'm like, oh my God. It is symbolic. It's so symbolic. And so he does. Uh, he digs for days and days in the darkness. One day he does finally find the picture that speaks to him. It's a picture of his dad, right. but he doesn't realize it's his dad. He just looks at it and feels like overwhelming emotion. And it's mostly about like him being in the ice. Like he's like, he's trapped in there and I need to help, help him. him. That's, yeah. But he doesn't know why he's feeling this. As soon as he, it says as soon as he sees the man in the picture and his desire to help him comes out, that's when he loses his name. So I guess his new wish is to, to go to this person to go to and this help. Person. Mm-hmm. Which is his wish to leave Fantastica. Yeah. So he returns to Yor and tells him that he's leaving to go to the Water of Life because now he just knows that that's what he's supposed to do. Yor instructs him to take his the picture with him and keep it safe. And as Bastion leaves, the picture is like sort of guiding him in the right direction. Like it kind of takes him where he needs to go without him knowing. Mm-hmm. But then... <laughs> As he's going, he hears the sound of laughing and screaming, and I, the schlamoofs, the little clown butterflies have returned. I hate them. <laughs> demanding that Bastion be their commander because they have no rules or directions. I mean, in a way, like it, you are responsible for these assholes. But at the same time, they also are like, they, I guess they've realized that the Silver City needs the Akaris because they're like, the lake is dried up and the, oh, yeah, that's the right. silver is like tarnishing and everything's awful. Look what you've done. Look what you've done. <laughs> and he de- they demand he helps and yeah. he refuses because he's like, I can't. Like, even if he wanted to, he can't because he doesn't have any wishes left. Right. So he's like, nope, I can't. Uh, they won't take no for an answer and they attempt to like drag him off by force. And that's when... Falcor and Atreyu come to the rescue. They have not abandoned him. They haven't. Ugh, so they, I don't know how they found him, to be honest. Maybe they've been following With him. luck. With <laughs> luck! <laughs> of course that's it. How could I even ask? And unfortunately in this, Bastion's also dismayed to find that his picture has been shattered. Yeah. So he doesn't know how he's going to get there. But Falcor and Atreyu are there. Chapter 26 is called The Water of Life. So no one says a word. They just look at each other. Bastion is super humbled now. He takes off the Orin, lays it on the ground at Atreus' feet. Then in a flash, they are in another building Boop. created by the Orin. And in the middle of this building is a fountain, mm-hmm. but it's guarded by the snakes who have become huge. Yeah. They're like humongous now. And they're circling the fountain so they can't get to it. The water speaks to them, or rather... Falcor. Falcor. Yeah. Falcor. Of course he can translate. Yeah. Well, he says, all languages of joy are the same. Oh, yeah, that's right. And so that's how he can understand yeah. what the water says. I mean, Michael Linde is always going to have an explanation for uh, something. Yeah, always. Not- there, nothing is not explained, <laughs> no. really. So the water speaks and tells him that Bastion can go home, but he must leave everything the childlike empress has given him behind. So all the wishes he made for himself. His clothes. Yeah, all that has to go. Mm-hmm. Atreyu leads Bastion to the fountain, and as he gets closer, Bastion becomes his old self again. He becomes the fat, pudgy little boy that he used to be. And Bastion dives into the water, and he feels great. 
He's his old self, but he has like a renewed sense of joy and love. Mm -hmm. Like a baptism. Exactly. This is another (laughs) rebirthing. Yeah. When he's ready to leave, they notice that the way out on the other side is still guarded by the other end of the snake. The water tells them that Bastion can't leave until he has completed all the stories he started. I feel like that's a heavy... (laughs) I don't think anyone could do that. No! Like, because he started a bazillion stories, and they all have their own threads. Yeah. So he, of course, realizes this, and he's like, well, I'm never going to be able to leave. And the water's like, well, someone could do it for you. And maybe this is the thing where you have to have make friends along the way or whatever. Yeah. Because Atreyu's like, I'll do it for you. And I don't know how he's going to do it for him. I have no idea. He's going to spend his life telling stories? Yeah. I don't know how that's even possible. See, okay, at this point, does the old man... In the mountain, in the wandering mountain, does he still exist? Yeah. Okay. I guess. Why can't he write the stories? Or does Atreyu have to be that person? Does Atreyu take on that role now? No. But see, the old man of wandering mountain doesn't come up with the stories. He just writes them as they happen. I guess Atreyu is now expecting. Okay. Yeah, he's recording what other people are coming up with. But, you know, they always say that creatures of Fantastica can't create new stories. So I don't know how Atreyu is going to do it. But they do. Atreyu does say, how are we going to do that? And Falcor's like, with luck! Like, he literally (laughs) says that, and it's, everything's okay! So, I guess we don't really know how that plans to happen, but whatever. They offer to do it for him. Atreyu and Falcor leave, and Bastion's left alone. He gathers some of the water with him, because he wants to give it to his dad. Yeah. And he goes through the other side. Because at this point, he remembers everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's gotten all his memories back when he dived into the fountain. Okay. So now Bastion's back in his attic. But the book is gone. Yep. He looks for it, and it's gone. He doesn't know how much time has passed, but he worries. And he rushes out of the school. And as he's trying to get away, he spills the water of life. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have it anymore. When he returns home, his father is, like, super happy to see him. He was like, I was worried. I had the police after you. Yep, yada, he did yada, call yada. the police. Yep. Bastion tells him his entire story, start to finish. And at the end, his father cries. And they make a, a comment, like... He had the water of life after all. Oh, yeah, that's it's right. It's a little cheesy. Oh, yeah, because he's, yeah, he's crying. Because now I think he has that emotion point, again. Yeah I, was, yeah, I was about to say, I think at that point it had been a really long time since he had cried. Well, or I think ever. they talk about how he never cried when his wife died and he just retreated him in himself yeah. and he didn't grieve and he just became an empty so shell. He d- yes, he did give him the water of He life. had the emptiness. <laughs> yeah, so he's healed his dad. The next day, Bastion and his father make plans to go do something together. But Bastion first wants to go to the bookstore and tell Mr. Coriander that he stole the book. And now that it's gone. He's like, sorry, I don't know where it is. Yeah. Uh, hopefully he, you know. This is when we find out that Mr. Coriander was in Bastion's place prior yeah. to this. And he also went through the the whole ordeal of giving the childlike empress a new name. He mm-hmm. says that, you know, she had a different name when I was there. And, you know, it's this... It's. I feel like it's what people who watch the movie always wonder because they're always like, that bookstore owner definitely knew something. Yep. And, oh, of course he did. He's been he through did. this before. Yeah. They don't explain it in the movie or even like talk no. about it. But it's it's kind of clear that that's what's happening. And so, yeah, he lived through the never-ending story before mm-hmm. and gave it to Bastion. And now, I don't know, someone else is going to get it. So Does it just pop up wherever it wants to, where it's needed? Who knows? I don't know. They don't explain. Because, like, obviously, Coriander knew what it was and deliberately 
allowed him to have it. Right. But now is Bastion going to do the same? He doesn't even know where it is. I know. Is it on his bookshelf at home and he just hasn't discovered it yet? And he's got to pass it on to someone else. He passes it on to one of his children and then we've got another story <laughs> who, knows? who knows i don't i don't know how he, it really gets passed or but if he it's does, always the same way he does mention to uh to mr coriander about like did you get to see her twice or brought up the fact like you know i wish i could see her again and he says something like something about like you can but it's it's when you read this i got the idea like it was if you read the story over, over and over like if you I feel like it wouldn't be the same it's like it's not the same no so yes, you only meet her once. He's saying like, no, you only meet her once, and that's because every time that you read the story, you have to give her a new name, and that would be the first. And you can read that thing. I, I oh can't yeah, really yeah. Okay, it. so it says, then the never-ending story is different for different people. That's right, says Mr. Coriander. And besides, it's not just books. There are other ways of getting to Fantastica and back. You'll find out. Do you think so? Bastion asked hopefully. But then I'd have to meet Moonchild again, and no one can meet her more than once. Mr. Coriander leaned forward and lowered his voice. Let an old Fantastica hand tell you something, my boy. This is a secret that no one in Fantastica can know. When you think it over, you'll see why. You can't visit Moonchild a second time, that's true. But if you give her a new name, you'll see her again. And however often you manage to do that, it will be the first and only time. Mm-hmm. So I take this to mean, like, when you create a new story, that's the first and only time it springs from your imagination, and then it's there. Yeah. You can't create that again. Right. And that's what Moonchild is, because she's the create, creation center yeah. of a story. And so she, once she's already out, that's the end of it. Right. And then you just have to create a new that's, one. Mm-hmm. And every time she gets a new name, that's a new story. Yeah. Ta-da! Ta-da! There it is! That was the end of the book. Holy crap. I am, for one, overjoyed that you enjoyed it because I feel like I try so hard to get people to like this book and I haven't been successful. I don't know what keeps people from reading it. Is it because it's so long? I I don't know. Is it because it's not just a fun, frivolous story? I think it, I mean, yes, it's deep, but it's, it's not, I don't feel like it's a heavy read. I don't either. Um, I but, feel like it flows. But every time that I thought about how to talk about this, like I start, I start crying. Oh, I start crying because I think, okay, we've known each other for what, fourteen years, fourteen years, and I'm like, why in the hell didn't she make me read this book sooner? However, I'm sure I've told told you <laughs> I to. Know, I know. However, just like everything played out in Bastion's journey. I think it was important for me to read this at this moment in my life because everything there were so many things that struck a chord with me um, in regards to what my life looks like now. I don't know if it would have had the same impact on me had I read it before now. Like I have kids now. Uh, I kind of, you know, going through this thing like, okay, what do I do with my life? Like your life changes and you have to yeah, look at it at that moment and figure out what you're going to do and just have, oh, it's just... Like I said, every time I think about it, I'm like, okay, I'll probably cry. There's nothing wrong tell, with that. If I tell, no, this was a this was this was a fantastic book. Yeah. Had I read it younger, um, it had a different meaning to me back then. Well, had I read it younger, it probably would have been my favorite book. I don't know if I want to call it my favorite book because that's fine. I just now discovered it. It yeah. needs to sit and stew for a little bit, yeah. but it it speaks to the language of my soul. Yes, it's. It's, I'm sorry. I'm just kind of <laughs> speechless because I didn't know how good it was. 
I didn't know how good it I was. I've been trying to tell everybody. <laughs> but uh, And then, you know, I, I, we're not even doing it justice. No. You have to read it. The movies don't do it justice. You have to read it. His language and how he sets everything up mm-hmm. is just phenomenal. And when I read it as a kid, it definitely had a different meaning to me. I didn't see it for all of this. Mm-hmm. I didn't see how deep it was. I didn't see all the layers. Part of me really did kind of see it as just a fun fantasy story. And I still enjoyed it, though, even yeah. not getting the deeper meaning. I'm always really surprised, though, that this book is always in the kids section because I feel like it's so much more I than a kids to, book. No, I I want it to be in the kids section because, like, I, you know, talking earlier about the philosophy behind it, um, this reminded me of all the, like, the part of um, the philosophy that Steiner came up with has mysticism in it. It's kind of metaphysical type of thing. Um, so it reminded me a lot of the self-help metaphysical books that I read in high school. Yeah. But this is the kid version of it. This is what starts you. Yeah. And I absolutely want it to be in the kids section. Every, I you mean, want kids so, to realize. Absolutely. It yeah. is so important. He picked up, he just pointed to so many important things that, yeah, you won't get as a child. But if you've got that story in your head, you will go back to it over and over again. And the more you mature and the more experiences you have, you can go back to these points in the book where you're like, oh, yeah. It, I don't, it was just Don't fantastic. stab your friend in a chest with a magic yeah, sword. Exactly. Like, <laughs> uh, how about, uh, you know, self-work is hard. Yeah. It's, it's a hard you journey. You have to kill yourself in you order have to, to re- You have reborn. to lose everything about yourself. You have to lose your ego. You mm-hmm. have to do deep, dark work. It is hard. It will last your whole life. I mean, I hope that's what people do. It sucks, but yeah. my God, would you just want to be like a shlamoof? 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 Yeah, being happy all the time doesn't do you any good. Well, it's it's only you know it's only part of it. It's only the light part. You need the dark part too. I wish we could stay all. and talk about it I more, know. but we've got no time. <gasps> okay, we, well, we ran honestly, out of time. Honestly, I feel like um, there's just no point in reading anything else. <laughs> true we have another book to read i know but i'm like god my last thought on this is 100 percent. it holds up but a whole it has a different meaning as an adult for sure as it did when i was a kid and everybody needs to read it right now for real the end talk about the next book then oh my god i can't my brain even go that go that way well, well we're going okay. a totally different direction it is and sorry guys sorry it's another camp book she it's does the la- love the camp it's the last one i think i love them because it usually includes like letters handwritten letters oh, in there and stuff okay. i think that's what it is but it's punky brewster at camp chipmunk this was published in 1986 um it doesn't have good reviews oh boy <laughs> but the cover is so cute so okay but it, it's some i actually kept the copy that i had for a very long time um so i still have it awesome i have seen punky bruce of the tv show cartoon uh, or live action oh the live action okay my sister was a huge fan she dressed up as her like for like oh, halloween and I stuff love it. i mean i liked it but i wasn't like a fan I, like she was i but. loved the cartoon show way better though I don't think I ever watched the cartoon. I may have seen like an episode or two, but I wasn't a fan. But I know the Punky Brewster story. Yeah, that's what we're going to be reading. All right. Looking forward to it. Until next time. Bye. Go be good and don't make bad wishes. (laughs) Not selfish wishes. To learn more about us and see what we're going to read next, visit our website at growingupbookish.com.